When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. You are tuned in to another edition of Americana Music Profiles, brought to you by Americana Rhythm Music Magazine and AmericanaMusicMagazine.com. I'm your host, Greg Tutwiler. Let's jump right in to the next exciting interview. The Satin Cowboy and the Seven Deadly Sins is the name of Silas Heights' band, or at least the band he records as. Silas's day job is as a film, TV, and game composer, and says that his Americana project is one of the ways he stays grounded and keeps in touch with his rural upbringing. His latest album, Amigos, will be out in August. Silas is my guest on this edition of Americana Music Profiles. Hi, Silas. Welcome to the podcast. Hello. Thanks for having me. I guess I should say uh, good morning. I'm I'm on the East Coast. You're uh, on the West Coast, so we've got a a bit of a time time difference. I appreciate you um, being up bright and early to, to chat with us. <laughs> yeah, that's fine. This is my, this is my uh, I'm always up early. It's my creative time in the morning. I uh, actually hate working at night, which is kind of weird for musicians. But uh, right, yeah, <laughs> yeah. I, I just end up slowing down. I like to hang out, uh, you know, with my wife at night and have some beers or have some fun, whatever. And uh, this is my this is my golden time to create. But I'm definitely happy to stop and talk to you. Yeah, good. Well, good. Well, um, you've got a, a, a new record on the way, and uh, we definitely want to uh, chat about that. Um, but uh, before we get into that, maybe you can we can set up the background. Um, uh, I, I have a note here that um, you sent me, and, and um, before we kind of get started here, and you are a, um, a composer. Uh, for for film and commercials and but the thing that caught my attention was you said that the um, the music that you compose that that we're going to talk about this afternoon is a way to keep you grounded and in touch with your rural upbringing. So I wondered if we could if you could elaborate on that a little bit and kind of give yeah. us the background for for the for the music that you get to create. I, I guess you'd call it on the side. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, typically I'm scoring films and TV shows and commercials and video games. That's been my day job for uh, almost 18 years now. Oh, and, cool. Um, okay. Which yeah, I'm very grateful. It's awesome. Um, and the, the styles of music I'm asked to write are all over the map. Like, I'll write for an orchestra or for, um, you know, I do a lot of string work. I did a lot of a uh, TV show called Chef's Table on Netflix. Did this, um, different episodes for that, and that kind of got me attention as writing for, like, strings and sort of a modern classical way, so I'll do that, and then the next day, you know, it's a commercial, and it's like a uh, very modern uh, EDM, or, you know, maybe I have to do rock and roll or something, and then a video game or something quirky. Okay. So it's kind of all over the place, which I love, but um, the album that I'm that I'm working on, uh, Amigos, or that's about to come out next month, Amigos, is uh, from my band, quote-unquote, The Satin Cowboy and the Seven Deadly Sins. And that music is very Americana. Right. Kind of a blend of, you know, as Americana is, a blend of styles, but, you know, sort of roots, rock, country, bluegrass, all that stuff sort of mixed together. And um, I don't get to write in that style for work. And um, 
but it's it's something that's very close to my heart. And I said, you know, what I said about growing up in a rural setting uh, is very true. I grew up in this tiny gold mining town called Crown King, Arizona, and there's only about maybe just over 100 people uh-huh. living there, full-time residents, up in the mountains, beautiful, but very remote, uh, no pavement, no government, no police. Um, you know, went to a one-room school. Okay, wow. an amazing place to grow up, yeah. Um, my dad's a musician, and, uh, you know, he he um, would play with the, the bar band. There's one old balloon there, like, you know, over 100 years old. Hmm. And he would play with whatever musicians in town, playing old rock and roll and old country and stuff like that. And I think it just sort of seeped into me. And um, so, yeah, this, this project is a way to kind of keep in touch with that and express myself through that, uh, you know, sort of genre. And I'd like to think I'm putting my own sort of bend on it and influences. But, uh, yeah, that's, that's that. You, I, I, uh, I'm going to throw out a word here that maybe most people don't know, and I, I just kind of accidentally showed up there one day, but I have visions of, of Oatman um, when you're telling me that story of the uh, of the little town uh, of Oatman where the uh, where the burrows roam through there, and it's basically a, a, a one-street town, the mining town. Are you familiar with that? No, where's Oatman? Uh, I, I believe it's also in, uh, in Arizona. Um, it's out oh. uh, not, not terribly far from Las Vegas. Um, but it's uh, just I have it, apparently a lot of um, a lot of films were filmed there uh, in the past using the backdrop of the of the the desert and the mountains and um, uh, just has some has some history and I'm I'm visioning that when you're telling me about this small town and and I, I hear oh, cool. I hear reflections of that in in the music um, for this album just that kind of cowboy feel just. Uh, uh, almost some of them kind of give me that uh, 40s and 50s Western music, uh, Western movie kind of um, oh, theme to it. Yeah, so I, I, um, I, I appreciate that story, and and I'm I'm sure that a lot of uh, a lot of that has to bleed over as as influence for some of the songs that you've written for this. Yeah, yeah, I'm definitely influenced by older country, um, not so much the newer stuff in the last 20 years or so. It hasn't really spoken to me, but. Uh, Probably up through the 70s, you know, when you had, like, all the way from, I love early stuff, like the Carter Family, and I love a little bit further along, Bob Wills, and the Playboys, I love that watching swing stuff, and, you know, even Johnny Cash, and yeah. there up until, like, like the 70s with, like, you know, when John Prine and guys like that that are, uh, they're country, but also more singer-songwriter, you know, they could fit in that category as well, um, love that stuff, too, so not really so much the modern pop sounding stuff um, but every once in a while there's some modern stuff that you know I'll find that I kind of like it's usually not the real popular stuff but you know there's some good singer songwriters out there still doing their thing and so but you know I pull, so I pull from inspiration from that and then of course bluegrass is, is sure. huge I'm not I don't think I'm a good enough player on any one instrument to call myself a bluegrass picker <laughs> by any means yeah. but, uh, but I, I you know I love the instrumentation of it mandolin and yeah. banjo and acoustic guitar and stuff like that so I, I dip into that quite a bit do you do you find it um difficult at all to bounce between genres when you when you get asked to compose music for these different things that you do no no just, just it's just <laughs> no, an easy uh, an easy transition huh between between all of those different yeah, yeah i guess gosh i've been doing it for so long um uh, it's really not um and that's why 
one of the reasons I became a composer is I really enjoy different styles of music yeah. and, uh, you know, figuring out what makes them tick and how to recreate it and then do something new and interesting with it. And also then, you know, making it serve whatever visual, you know, I'm working on at the time, whether it's a scene in a film or, you know, a video game or whatever. Yeah. I, I read in some of the press notes that um, you got to hang out uh, as a kid with your uh, uncle, I believe, right? Uh, Mark uh, Mothersball from Devo? Yeah, Mark and Bob. Actually, um, I mean, yeah, I saw them when I was a kid, but uh, I uh, the first seven or eight years of my career here in Los Angeles was working at Mark's studio. They both worked there. Yeah, um, sweet. And so I came up from an intern all the way to uh, in-house composer. And, wow. you know, basically learned how to do what I do in terms of scoring from them. And, uh, you know, they get asked to do all kinds of styles as well. And, uh, you know, also do the same thing, basically, film, TV, commercials, video games, all that. And then, of course, they were still touring with Devo. And, uh, you know, so I kind of got a wonderful education there, coming up learning how to, like, right away dealing with, you know, the, the top clients in the game, you know, Sony, Apple, you know, whoever, right away at a very young age, so I had to basically get very good very, very quickly. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I, I watched a, a, a clip, a YouTube clip, uh, somebody interviewing uh, Mark, and, and he was making references to some, uh, of course, he's into art and some gallery that uh, kind of gave him his, his first start. And he, in that, made reference to, uh, um, uh, I guess I'm going to use the word right, early composer uh, Perry Kinsley. Is that name ringing a bell at all? Um, he, he, the, he, yeah, the fifth guy. Yeah, yeah, right. The uh, the early 60s kind of cut and splice type um, uh, composition of some of the music. And I, I went and actually found one of the records and listened to that and just fascinated with, with how all of that started and then, you know, bring it forward 40, 50, 60 years and, and – um, you know, and, and then, you know, your connection to Devo and, and, you know, you're, you're a composer with different kinds of things and then all of that. And then you end up drifting into this Americana project. Uh, I just, yeah. that, that whole journey is just so cool. And, and, um, and, and that you can bounce between all of those, um, so well, uh, I mean, it's, a, it's a very good record and it's, um, uh, you. You, you know, it's, it's, uh, that kind of music is, is classic, but it's not necessarily easy and uh you know to be able to transition into that uh you know after coming out of some of the other things yeah. that you've been doing is um uh it's really good and i, I enjoy it and I, I love all of that connection between all of these different uh, uh composers and studios that you've got yeah well i like to think that all these you know different kind of seemingly very opposite influences coming together you know kind of helps me have a unique sound do you, um, is this the first Americana uh, set of music that you've recorded? No, I've been doing this band uh, for over 10 years. Okay. Um, so this will be the third full-length release. Okay. Um, the last one was called Duel, and that's uh, good, too. I, I mean, I think I think this one is probably my best, and Duel's right behind it. And then, uh, you know, it's interesting because I've sort of been figuring out, like, I wasn't, I didn't set out to, like, this will be a marathon and uh -huh. the rules I'm going to follow, you know. So, <laughs> so there's experiments along the way. Like my first, um, the first full-length record I did, 
uh, called the Great Giddy Up was actually, you know, I used horns, like a horn section. Oh, cool, um, okay. See what, you know, see what that influence would be. And the kind of jumped around more stylistically, and there's more sort of rocking stuff in there. And even in Duel, there's more rock. There's like a, almost like a Southern Rock Almond Brothers type guitar song. And then more of them are sort of electric guitar driven. And, you know, Tom Petty and the Heartbreakers are a huge influence, and the Traveling Wilburys. So right. I think in the sense that I was trying to write sort of economical pop songs, meaning economical meaning not gratuitously long guitar solos or like right. loaded, you know, like sure. pretty concise, um, catchy tunes, uh, and, you know, and rock, but also sort of, you know, influenced by country and stuff like that in the first couple records. And then I sort of gravitated in this last record to more of a, more acoustic sounding stuff, even though there's still drums in there and electric guitar from time to time, um, you know, more rootsy, I guess you could say on this album. Do you get a chance to um, play out with this music, with, with a band? Do you do you get to do any sort of no. tour? No? No, I'm so busy. I mean, right now, obviously, because of COVID, the things have changed anyway, but the touring. But, uh, you know, I don't, I'm so busy scoring stuff that I can't really get away to do that. Like, you know, the turnaround on a commercial can be 24 hours or less. I mean, I've, I've literally scored commercials in less than an hour. Wow. And it's like, if you're... If you're in your studio and take that call and ready to work, you get paid. And if not, then you miss out. So, yeah. And usually when I'm scoring, I've like, you know, usually when it's not COVID time, I've got five or six projects I'm juggling at the same time. So, I'm super busy. Um, and that's also why I take, you know, four, three or four, five, six years in between albums <laughs> <laughs> because I'm doing all that. But, you know, uh, the other thing is I don't have a band. Um, that and Cowboy Seven Deadly Sins is me. I'm playing most of the instruments. Okay. And then I like to say that the Seven Deadly Sins are whatever friends and family and an occasional session player, you know, uh -huh. comes in to uh -huh. help round out the album. For example, like Fiddle, I don't play Fiddle. So, uh, Vito Gutierrez plays Fiddle. He's amazing. Comes in and does that. Um, what else? I don't know. I've had my father play guitar on things. Mm -hmm. I've had uh, the horn section I mentioned. Um, my cousin, Al Mothersbaugh, you know, play trombone. So it's really, like, I love collaborating and bringing friends in and being like, hey, do you want to just play this random guitar solo in this part? Or, you know, uh, you want to put down a piano part on this? Things like that. So it's not really a band that I could go to. <laughs> right, yeah. So when when you create one of these projects, what is your, do you have a, do you have a mission? Do you have a goal in mind with the end product that you want to, that you want to see it achieve? Um, see it achieve. Well, you mean in terms of like sales or in terms of like a creative vision? Or right. Yeah. I guess a creative vision. I mean, you know, if, if you take a typical vision. Americana band that th this is their full-time thing or their, their full-time mm -hmm. musical project, they, they cut a record to kind of support their, their touring or, or, you know, it's kind yeah. of a, it's almost a, anymore now, unfortunately, sometimes the, this, the, the CD becomes your business card almost. It's a way to promote yourself. And, with the approach that you have, and and it's it's um, you've got your day job that's that consumes most of your time. I'm just curious what um, what you like yeah, okay. what, what you'd like to see this do in terms of uh, I, I guess success is a dangerous word, but what 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 would make you feel like it's done what you wanted it to do when you get done with it? You know, I I purposely try not to set high expectations on sales or like the reach of this. Mm -hmm. stuff because 
because I don't have a band to support it, because I don't have a record label, I'm just, I don't have, it's just me, I'm doing it on my own. Yeah. Um, you know, my friend Nicole helps with, uh, Nicole Good helps with some PR, um, it's just really word of mouth, you know, and on this day and age, it's mostly internet word of right, mouth. Right, right, yeah. And, um, but, you know, the people that hear it, and, and like this kind of music really seem to connect with it. And and I hear back from friends, family, even from random people, they'll reach out an email or you know, message or whatever, and, and they're like, I'm really connected with these songs. So for me, the end goal is to write songs that hold up, stand the best of time, which is another reason I'm expressing them through Americana, because sure. I feel like that music does stand the best of time. I'm still listening to the songs in this genre, from a hundred years ago, yeah, I think great, you know. So yeah. there's some genres that don't stand the test of time, even if it's a great song. You know, maybe the let's just say like the <laughs> the production of it is really annoying or something like that. Right. Maybe I'm more sensitive to it, given my job. But but I'm just trying to write really timeless, great songs that uh, you know will people connect to. And my first single off this record, "Song for Tom Petty," I've gotten the best response from that from any song I've ever written really it wasn't for a film or TV yeah and people reaching it's um it, it's a little bit a sad song I wrote it when the song died it really hit me hard sure and yeah he, a lot of passed, us it felt like a, yeah exactly and so I wanted to write something that everyone could relate to you know we had lost a lot of people a lot of great rock and roll country people right you know started passing away around that time for different reasons and Everyone was feeling it, and just like, oh, another one, another. And then when Tom died, that really hit me hard. Yeah. And, and uh, so I wrote this song, but you know, like his songs, like his songs normally are, they're they're uplifting. Like his songs aren't depressing. You put those on, you want to drive down the highway. Sure. Or, yeah. Yeah. You know, it just it makes you feel good. So, so even though my song is about that, I made it very uplifting, and I've gotten messages from people being like, you know, my. My husband passed away, and I'm, I've been listening to your song on repeat, and it's really helping me out. Or, you know, someone else has passed away. I'm listening to it. It's really just, I, I, you know, it's bringing me a lot of joy. And I'm like, do you like the rest of the album? And they're like, I can't even get past the first song. I just have it on repeat. <laughs> wow, <laughs> I was cool. like, wow. Yeah. So to me, it's like a huge compliment because it was something that I created that was so sincere and from my heart, you know, and then people, when people connect with it in that kind of way, that means everything to me. Where did the name for the record come from? Amigos? Uh, uh-huh. You know, I noticed that as, uh, as I was writing the songs, a lot of them were about friendship. And this band always kind of has been, you know, friends and family helping me out. And, um, you know, since I'm not, like, wildly popular, or this band isn't, like, you know, wildly known or anything, it's not like I have fans beating down the door for right. the next record, except <laughs> right. for my friends and family that are like, when are you going to make another record? Yeah, we love okay. the last one. Come on, <laughs> get on it. You're, you're in a music studio. Let's do it, you know? Yeah, yeah. And so... But I realized that was running through the sort of a theme that was running through a lot of the album was friendship. I yeah. mean, song for Tom Petty, like it felt like a friend died, even though he wasn't yeah. a friend, obviously. I didn't know him. But um, that, some of the other ones, like I co-wrote with friends. Uh, other ones have friends playing on it. Some of the lyrics are about friendship, and some of them are about loneliness, which is sort of a lack of friendship. So Amigos just felt fitting. Yeah. And then, you know, I was talking to my to my friend Patrick Whitehorn, who has done artwork for a lot of my Satin Cowboy stuff, and uh, he he and I have been talking about how cool Blue Shadows on the Trail 
is as a song from the movie The Three Amigos. Right, Randy and Newman, Ra- I think, right? Uh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, Randy Newman tune. I always loved it because it had a very old, like, classic cowboy yeah. <laughs> kind of feel to it, right. which is kind of goofy. I love the sort of almost goofiness of it, you yeah. know? Um, yeah. It definitely doesn't take itself too seriously. And uh, obviously, I'm a huge Randy Newman fan because of his songwriting, but also the composer. And so that was the second single from Amigos that came out last month. Um, was my cover of Blue Shadows on the Trail. And uh, that one, uh, again, you know, I had friends come in and help sing it because in the, in the movie, it's Steve Martin, Martin Short, and Chevy Chase sitting around the campfire mm-hmm. singing that song. So I thought, oh, I should, you know, I should do this with two other guys and do like a, you know, sort of like, you know, like in a tribute to how it's done sure. in the movie. So yeah. I sing the first verse on the cover. And then the second verse is my friend Sam Nelson, who is a, amazing singer just a gorgeous voice um and he sang backup vocals on all my records and i've helped him with his and he's just a good buddy and he happens to be ricky nelson's son hmm, cool and you know obviously harriet ricky nelson comes from that family mm-hmm. and uh mm-hmm. so his voice is just <laughs> golden so yeah love awesome. hearing him sing so yeah um so he sings the second verse, and then um, Steve Beeman, who is a singer-songwriter, producer, he kind of does music in a lot of different genres. He has a very cool voice, and I reached out to him through a mutual friend, and he came over and did the third verse. And so, uh, yeah, so it was just like, you know, keeping with the friends and, friends and family theme, and so Amigos seemed fitting. Yeah, that's awesome. So the, the record, again, is uh, Amigos, and it, and it drops uh, yet this month, right? In July? Uh, it drops August 25th. Oh, August 20th. Okay, cool. All uh-huh. right. And I have the third single coming out on July 28th. Okay, so, so the th- third single is out this month. Cool, okay. Yeah. And if uh, folks want to hear it and they want to uh, order a copy, pre-order a copy, mm-hmm. reach out to you, learn more about all of this, what's the best way to get yeah. in touch? Well, SilasHype.com has all my musical stuff, all the scoring, all the everything, and all of my bands. And I have a store there on that page where you can order a CD or okay. digital copy, like pre-order. Yep. Um, and of course, you can pre-order um, just digitally, you know, on iTunes or wherever, wherever you do that. And I've got a couple of singles and my old records up on Spotify and iTunes and anywhere you would see music. Awesome. Thanks, Silas. This has but been remember, fun. Yeah. Yeah, thank you. Uh, just remember, um, if you look up Silas Height on those sites, you'll find my composing scoring stuff. So if you want to find the album we're talking about, look up The Satin Cowboy and The Seven Deadly Sins. Right, cool. And it's all on it's all on Silas, H-I-T-E, Height.com. Yep, yep. S-I-L-A-S-H-I-T-E.com. Awesome. Well, good. Well, thank you. I wish you well with it, man. I really enjoy the record, and, and I, I hope it... I hope it does well for you, and I hope uh, people listen and get a chance to go take a listen to your music. Thank you so much. I appreciate that. Thanks for your time. Thanks again for tuning in to this episode of Americana Music Profiles. Find us on iTunes at Americana Music Profiles and on the Internet at AmericanaRhythm.com. It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. 
FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more Fantasy Points. Fantasy Points.